Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm Jeff Tracy. We've got John Sherman with us from Practical Golf. There's a hyphen in there. Um, the website, practicalgolf.com. I wanted to ask you, get a little more history just on you, John. Did you start as a kid? Did your dad get you into this game? How did all that work? Uh, no, I, I have, a, I guess, a pretty unorthodox um, way to get into the game. Uh, my dad never played. I taught my dad how to play golf when he was in his 50s. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I was just a kid that played every sport growing up, you know, basketball, baseball, tennis, sure. ice hockey. And one day um, I went to my grandma's garage and she had um, golf clubs that were my grandfather's from the, you know, probably the 1950s, you know, hickory shafted. Sure. Clubs, very old. And I just took them out. There was a schoolyard across the street and there were some old balls. So I just took the balls and the clubs and I just started stacking up dead grass as a tee and just started hitting the thing as hard as I could. And I remember striking one of them perfectly. And as any golfer knows that feeling, it's, it's, <laughs> it's addicting. Um, and you, then I just, you know, this was probably when I was 10 or 11. Um, and then I, you know, I, I started you know, taking it more seriously, probably around 12 or 13. And I, you know, I played in high school a little bit in college. Um, and then I kind of lost touch with the game for a while there. I would call that my impractical golf years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I, moved out of New York city, uh, back to the suburbs when we had our first child, that's when I really got serious about the game again. I kind of rediscovered my love for the game and all the things that I've been doing wrong all those years. And that's, that was really the, the birth of the website. Um, I really wanted to get that message out there to other golfers on, on what they could do to enjoy themselves more and get better at this game rather than just, um, keep giving all the swing tips that are out there. I'll, I'll tell you because it's after hours and I can do this. <clears throat> I started golfing mm, junior high, maybe a little earlier because my brother, somebody had given him a set like you're talking about of old golf clubs, you know, black and red persimmon, the paint job on them, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. the whole thing. They were steel shafts. I have no idea what they were, but I know they were like swinging up you know, garden utensil. And I damn near killed a friend of mine. We were down in our bottom pasture hitting balls one day and I, and I, <laughs> and I caught one off the heel and it went, he was off to my right and bang, hit him right in the head. But that's another story. Um, he's moved away. I wonder why. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, 
and I and I found some better clubs. I played a little bit in high school with those clubs. And I, when I bought my first set of really good clubs, I was in college, my first year of college in Los Angeles, and I had this magical thing called a credit card. Man. Mm. So I went over to Big Five Sporting Goods in L.A. Um, I was out on the east side, so it was probably San Bernardino or someplace way out there. I don't know. Pasadena, maybe um, they're far apart if you lived in L.A. But anyway, I bought it. I bought this beautiful bag. I bought this whole set of Golden Bear clubs and all that. And I was hooked. I was just hooked. And, um, you know, I packed those damn things around with me for years. Those clubs, uh, even after after I got out of college, because I moved back to Oregon, graduated from Oregon State. I played when I was in Corvallis, not on the team or anything. I wasn't that good, but I just played. And then, you know, got better clubs as I was kind of a horse trader. So if somebody had a good set of pings or something, I'd trade up and do stuff. So that's kind of my story on my clubs, you know, but it all started in that bottom pasture with these. And I remember it was a canvas bag with a hole in the side of it. So... (laughs) Well, that, that's the beautiful part of the game is once you experience, you know, people who don't golf and I tell them, you know, what I do and how much I play and how much I love the game, they look at me funny. And really, I'm thinking in the back of my head, it's like, I feel sorry for them because they don't know the, the joy that the game can bring um, to our life. You know, it's, it's, it's a game that you can have fun with your friends, being outdoors, you can travel, you can play it for your whole life. and you know, golf's been an incredibly positive, has had a positive impact on my life in a number of ways. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I think it's made me a better father, a better husband, you know, all the things that the game has taught me over the years. Um, it's just such an amazing thing. And I know a lot of people, you know, sometimes struggle with what to do with their life in terms of their leisure time or have a, you know, even a, a purpose outside of work and, and family and stuff like that. And golf can just be such a, a great positive force in people's life. And I'm glad to see that, you know, all the, all the work that's being done at the junior level now is better than ever. So I'm glad to see, you know, young kids are catching that bug like you and me did. Yeah. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Wonderful thing. Absolutely. You know, I thought for many years when we'd go and we usually played on Saturdays, not when I was in college or stuff, but after I got out and I went to work and I was doing things and I had some time on Saturdays and I would go play when I had, couple people that were in the media that i knew that i we were friends i'd go play with them and stuff and they would always have like okay well they've got a men's club tournament at you know eight o'clock so we can't tee off till 10 30 or 11 or whatever it was and i was like okay and when i'd get there i would kind of and i was guilty of this i would kind of say why would you want to be like those old geezers going around you know like that (laughs) now I'm looking at it going, I think that's a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think it's a great thing. And, and just for the social aspect of it. And like you said, it it makes you a better person. I think a better father, a better husband. Um, The game of golf can teach you a lot of things and you get to meet a lot of very interesting people. If you play your cards, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical about the game, but it checks off a lot of boxes and what we know 
um, helps people live, you know, healthy, meaningful lives, you know, exercise. I'm always about walking the course, you know, for people who don't exercise regularly, golf can be a great way to get exercise. Yep. Um, we know that happiness and longevity is very much tied to your social networks. And I see, you know, older players all the time at the courses I play who have been had games together for 30, 40 years and they wake up in the morning excited for it. Oh yeah. You know, I said, there's a golfer in my course. It was in his late nineties is playing every day. Um, I bet, I, I'd, I'd bet anything that, that, that golf is one of the reasons keeping him alive. Um, I would, I would there's say so it. many amazing things about the game, um, that could really enhance your life. If you approach the game from the right way, um, that I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be an advocate for the game as best I can to as many people as possible. Um, because I think now more than ever, golf is, is an incredibly important activity. I think so. Um, I live kind of where our home is. It kind of very close to a high school. And a um, few years ago, one of the teachers, who's also a coach there, picked up the the mantle, so to speak, because they hadn't had a golf team in quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. And the we've got a very varied demographic of people that live in my town. Anyway, long story short, he's done an amazing job, and I've helped him a little bit, not coaching or anything, but trying to garner support for the team. Well, now they've had two different Evans scholars come out of there, uh, schol- yep. scholarships for the program. They've had some their playing level at uh, district and state and different things like that. They're always in the mix now with those, uh, with those kids, both boys and girls doing that. And so I just think it's, you know, you wouldn't drive down the street where I live and think, well, that kid's going to be a golfer someday. And then the next thing you see, he's over on the driving range practicing, uh, or doing a practice round for the high school team. And you think that's great. That's really good. Yeah. What? One organization that I'd love to highlight, um, anyone listening to this is called Youth on Course. Um, they've become probably one of the best, or if not the best nonprofit in the game. Essentially what they do is they partner with local golf um, chapters and work with courses and they essentially get any kid anywhere who's a member, membership is free, can get on a golf course for $5 and play. Right. Um, and they've, and they've just exploded over the last few years. They've expanded to Canada. They're all over the United States. They've got hundreds of thousands of rounds being played that are subsidized by the courses. And the smartest thing they do is, is that it helps the courses book some extra revenue because, you know, kids are bringing their parents. Um, it's really helping the courses grow their business as well. Um, so I donate to them every year. I encourage everyone to take a look at them. Um, youth on course. It's just incredible what they're doing. And they've got a ton of scholarships and all these great stories of, you know, kids that you wouldn't expect to take up the game because, you know, golf, let's face it, has been painted as a game of the elite over the years. Um, and that's just not the case anymore. Um, right. There's kids all over the country from all different backgrounds um, taking up the game. And it's becoming a really positive force in their life because you know what it can teach you and the, and the pride and the sense of pride and accomplishment they can get from the game. Um, so that, that's something I love to see. And, you know, there's a lot of great stuff being done on the youth level and they're, they're really one of the leaders in that space. So 
um, just another a good thing that's going on in golf right now. You know, uh, John, the, the course that I live very close to is the OGA course from the Oregon Golf Association. And what a lot of people don't know is when that thing was getting started, part of the land was donated. Um, and the men's club and stuff there was put together and held together by a lot of farmers. Mm-hmm. And these farmers loved their golf. Now, the rules at the OGA were a little different than some of the more prestigious, if you will, clubs in Portland, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, they allowed you to wear blue jeans. Couldn't come in all muddy and dirty, but you had to wear a collared shirt and you had to wear, and you know, if you're going to wear jeans instead of, you know, golf slacks or something, fine. Just make sure they're clean. But I always kind of chuckled about that because in the in the long run, I always thought, you know, some of those old farmers have more money than those people in Portland, but they don't ever. Think- <laughs> <Yeah>, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> they don't think about it that way. But and their men's club, those guys, unless it was harvest season, they never missed uh, a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever it was. They were there. You know, and they were there having lunch when they were done and having a couple of beers. And they even some of them built a course across the freeway. And this is a nine hole course. It's perfectly flat. It just kind of go up and down these rows of trees and it's got sand greens. But some of those guys got behind and helped the guy build that because they were serious enough about their golf games at the OGA course that when they needed to practice and get warmed up in the spring, they would go over to the other course on the other side of the freeway. It was like, nobody saw them there, you know, and they, and they would uh, practice their long irons or whatever they did. And they'd get warmed up there because it cost a hundred dollars a year to belong to that course. And you could play as much golf as you wanted. Okay. So they'd go over there and warm up and then they'd go back across the freeway to the one that they helped build and stuff. And then they'd be ready to play. It was, it's a pretty funny story, but it, it's true. It's very true. So. Well, I think it just shows you there's so many different people who could play the game that you would never expect. And I don't think there's one right way to do it. Um, and, you know, it's nice to see that a lot of those rules about dress are being relaxed at a lot of places and, you know, there's there's a movement to make the game a little more inclusive in that way because I think people have just been intimidated by golf, uh, by all those you know quote unquote rules that existed all those years. So, um, no, it's always great to hear stuff like that. Yeah, it's really good. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see practical uh, golf in five years? I mean, right now, I think you know, unfortunately, I mean, obviously, we're we're going through a pretty horrible event as a society with this pandemic but you know one of the silver linings has been you know golf has really exploded um during covid uh, for a number of reasons um, we're seeing numbers we've never seen before in terms of equipment sales uh, playing level is up you know a lot of people who haven't been playing or never played before are playing again or teeing up for the first time um so you know i i always I always think golf has a place in society. You know, people were down on it for a while saying like, Oh, you know, kids aren't going to do it because they want to be on their phones and stuff. Sure. I view it as a different way. I, you know, I, I view golf as an opportunity in, in the coming years to be even more important because, you know, you can't live your life on a screen. It gets tiring after a while. And I think golf 
always will be an opportunity for anyone, whether it's a kid, an adult, to get outside, you know, put the phone down and just do something that's physical, competitive, stimulates your mind, have fun with your friends. I don't think that is going to change. I right. don't know where the game will be in 10, 20, 30 years. Um, but I view it as a glass half full scenario where I think the game has something to offer that might even be more valuable than it was in the past, just because um, it does have a unique set of properties to it that not a lot of things have, you know, because let's face it, when you graduate, you know, high school or college, and let's say you're athletic, you're not going to play basketball or football or baseball for the rest of your life. You know, golf's one of those ways where a lot of ex-athletes or competitive people can get that outlet um, that they're not going to necessarily get from the sports they used to play. Right. Um, so overall, I'm positive on the future of golf. You know, I hope that my site continues to grow because I do believe that that the topics I'm covering can help people stay in the game and be happier in the game. So I'm, I'm trying to advocate for that. Good for you. Um, but, you know, I remain very positive about golf's future. Well, I do too. You know, it's funny because um, we had a couple weeks ago, we had David Stead on from Langdon Farms and David's the GM down there. He's a good friend. And he was talking about rounds of golf and sales through the pro shop and all that. And just, you know, mirrored exactly what you said is because I live in Northern Oregon. The state of the state of Washington, when the COVID hit and they closed down everything, they closed down their golf courses, too. So everybody that lived in the first two or three counties north of the border across the river, they were coming into Oregon to play. And, you know, that went on for, what, three or four months and spring was here and the weather was getting decent and everybody could get out and play. And then the the Oregon courses were like, man. You know, um, we're having trouble uh, turning people away sometimes because of yeah. You're you know, you're hearing all these stories of courses that don't have tee times anymore, right? Booked up. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. In fact, I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you ever watched Game of Thrones, but there's oh, yeah, I was a huge fan. Yeah, well, there's a <clears throat> there's a scene in it where Jon Snow is kind of out there all by himself and this. I think it's when they were trying to rescue his sister um, from the real crazy guy uh, with the dogs and stuff. Anyway, there's this massive cavalry charging for towards him and he's standing there by himself and he draws his sword out and he puts it up in the yeah. attack position like that or defensive position. And the meme was, um, these are these are the starters at golf courses. Yeah, the starters at golfers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That 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 meme is used a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's it's you know when when it hit in March and April and all the courses were closed down. I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, this could be bad for golf." You know, they're not going to be able to maintain the courses. The grass could die. And then you saw four to six weeks later when courses started opening up, like people were just dying, you know, myself included, to just get out of their houses and do something outdoors. Right. Um, so, again, it it's, comes from a very, you know, not to say that this pandemic has not has been a horrible thing for society, but um, it has given a spotlight to golf that 
never would have gotten. Not that the game was dying before that. It was kind of stagnating, I would say. Um, so this is, you know, a, a good opportunity to, for the game to showcase itself and what it, you know, what it can be for people in their lives. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope it continues. You know, I hope the pandemic comes to an end very soon and, you know, people will still maintain their love of golf. I'm sure some people will go back to what they were doing, but even if we got a small percentage of people introduced to the game, that's a great thing. It is John Sherman, practicalgolf.com. Thanks for being with me. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much for having me. We'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours. Just keep it right here. We won't go away. Take care, everybody.